Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 197. The Fun Ideas Podcast is brought to you in part by Freaky Magazine. I contribute something to every issue of Freaky, so please check it out. Hey kids, have you read Freaky? The magazine of weird humor for freaks like you. Freaky Magazine is a way out collection of weirdo comics, kooky gags, photo funnies, social satire, and surreal collage. 52 pages of insanity in the tradition of magazines of yore like Cracked, Plop, and Zap. Special offer for Fun Ideas listeners, get a free sample copy in the mail. Made of smelly newsprint and smudgy ink the old-fashioned way. Just message your mailing address to theslowpoisoner at gmail.com. That's theslowpoisoner at gmail.com while supplies last. Until now, it's Mark Arlo's latest book called Pac-Man, the first animated show based upon a video game. This book tells the story of Pac-Man phenomenon and goes through the entire history of the Hanna-Barbera Animation Studios, the history of the video game, pre-Pac-Man, the history of Pac-Man, the character, the video game, the spin-off, the merchandise, and the animated TV series. Each and every episode of the classic 1980 series is covered and examined. Plus, Mark Arlen covers how Pac-Man has been honored on various anniversaries, including the 40th anniversary in 2021. A fun read for casual and hardcore Pac-Man and video game fans alike, featuring many character model sheets and other images. Available online through Bear Manor Media, Amazon, and Barnes & Noble. Get your copy today. Friends, have you tried Lee's Comics? Lee's Comics is better than the leading comic book store. Wait a minute. Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store. Based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hester himself. Lee's Comics was named as one of the 21 best online dealers by PopOptique.com. To shop the Lee's Comics eBay store, go to eBay and search for Lee's Comics, Inc. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast when you order, and you'll receive a free bonus gift. I'm currently working on articles about Nightmare, the Galloping Ghost, and the Harvey Comics superheroes for Back Issue and Alter Ego, respectively. My Mad Book is being proofread, and my second Disney book is almost done, and I am currently working on TV cartoons that time forgot. Be sure to buy my latest books, the TTV Scrapbook and the Pac-Man book. On today's show, in lieu of a guest, I will be reading excerpts from my latest book, Pac-Man, the first animated TV show based upon a video game. 
This is Mark Arnold. I'm going to read to you excerpts from Pac-Man, the first animated TV show based upon a video game. Copyright 2022, Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. The book is published by Bear Manor Media. Introduction. Okay, I must admit that this book really came out of left field. In the past, Ben Omard has suggested books that I could do, and it's usually something to do with something I'm interested in, like Cracked or Mad. This time, thanks to a quick recommendation by cartoonist Scott Shaw on his Facebook page, I was suddenly drafted to write this book. I have never expressed huge interest in video games, and have said that a Hanna-Barbera book would be a massive undertaking if done correctly. In fact, for those wanting a good Hanna-Barbera history, I recommend five books. The Art of Hanna-Barbera, 50 Years of Creativity by Ted Sennett, Hanna-Barbera Cartoons by Mike Mallory, The Hanna-Barbera Treasury by Jerry Beck, a Cast of Friends by William Hanna, and My Life in Tunes by Joseph Barbera. At press time, there is a new book called Hanna-Barbera, A History by Jared Bahir Broche, but I haven't read it yet. It seems highly academic. In any case, although I did occasionally watch the Hanna-Barbera Pac-Man cartoons since they were part of the Pac-Man Little Rascals Richie Rich show, I figured I would take on the challenge. I was already watching due to me being a huge Harvey Comics and Richie Rich fan, and a Little Rascals fan. Turns out that a few of the cartoons are quite good, and that I found myself actually laughing out loud at some of the episodes, particularly Happy Pac-Giving, Pac-Van Winkle, and especially Public Pac-Enemy Number 1, which I consider the best of the series. In fact, I consider the second season better than the first, with the additions of PJ and the dim-witted Super Pack. It's a surprisingly funny show, considering that Hanna-Barbera was really churning it out at this time. Pac-Man was one of my favorite video games during that golden age, and I will describe its origins later in this book. I was one of those people who would go to the video arcade for a few hours to try some new games, but also play some of my favorites like Asteroids, Dig Dug, Burger Time, Donkey Kong, Tempest, Frogger, Centipede, Space Invaders, and of course Pac-Man and Ms. Pac-Man. In order to make this work, I decided to make this book short and fun. Usually I write these big 700-page tomes that, as Stu Showstack of Stu's show likes to say, make a better doorstop than a book. Well, forgive me, I just like to be thorough. I'm just as thorough here, but I decided to make it more streamlined and keep it under 100 pages. I'm even going to keep this introduction short. I think I've succeeded. A Brief History of Arcade Video Games The golden age of video games is considered to be between the years of 1971 and 1983, according to the History of Computing Project. The year 1971 was chosen as the earlier start date, as it was the year that the creator of Pong, Alan Alcorn, filed a pivotal patent regarding video game technology. Pong was a table tennis-themed video arcade game from Atari, featuring two white rectangles as paddles, and a white square as the ball with large white numbers up top to keep score. Though considered tremendously simplistic today, it was the height of technology when the arcade game was released in 1972. Pong was preceded by the very first video arcade game called Computer Space from 1971, which in turn was derivative of the 1962 computer game called Space War, which was a game originally designed in the context of academic computer and programming research and demonstrations of computing power as computers started to get smaller and faster. Space War and Computer Space were both the inspirations for the later game Asteroids, which was introduced in 1979. 
After Pong became successful, Atari co-founder Ted Dabney, 1937-2018, left in March 1973 as he felt overshadowed by his partner Nolan Bushnell and Ampex's Al Alcorn, who had come to Atari to help create Pong. Dabney had created the coin slot mechanism before his departure. Atari and Key Games were the arcade game leaders at this time, and after Pong was a hit, Many games were turned out by both companies from 1973 to 1978 in short order. In 1973, Key had Elimination, while Atari had Quadrapong. 1974, Key had Spike, Formula K, and Twin Racer, while Atari had Rebound, Grand Track 10, and Grand Track 20, respectively. Atari and Key merged in November 1974 and produced Tank, Pursuit, Indy 800, and Tank 2 followed in 1975. Quiz Show, Tank 8, Indy 4, and Sprint 2 followed in 1976. Drag Race and Superbug came next in 1977, and Sprint 1 and Ultra Tank in 1978, after which Key was shut down by Warner Communications, which had acquired Atari in 1976. As an aside, one Atari employee who had helped to create a circuit board for Breakout in 1972 as a follow-up to Pong eventually teamed up with Steve Wozniak to form Apple Computers in 1976. His name was Steve Jobs, and it was Wozniak who actually performed the task. Unfortunately, Wozniak's circuit board could not be used, as it had no scoring or coin mechanisms. In December 1978, Bushnell left Atari to create Chuck E. Cheese's Pizza Time Theater. Key's Joe Keenan left soon after to help manage the franchise. Former partner Dabney also helped out with this company, which is still a popular food and arcade chain to this day. The defining transitional point of video game arcade technology was, was the release of Midway's Space Invaders game in 1980. This game brought forth with it the power of the microprocessor and the transition from black and white to color graphics. It also brought forth a new wave of a cult phenomenon impact that hadn't been seen since the days of Pong. The strength of this golden age of video games was solidified with the release of Space Invaders, Asteroids, and Pac-Man. This was when color arcade games became more prevalent and individual video arcades devoted to such machines started appearing outside of traditional locales such as bowling alleys or bars. This was the norm through the mid-80s for the video game industry when home video game systems started taking over. Prior to all these video games, pinball machines were more popular than video games. The peak year for the pinball industry was 1979 with 200000 in machine sales and $2.3 billion in revenue. By 1982, this peak declined to 33,000 machines and 464 million in sales. By this point, Space Invaders and Pac-Man had sold over 360,000 and 400,000 cabinets, respectively, becoming the best-selling machine cabinets for video arcades. Each machine cost around $2,000 to $3,000 each. Pac-Man's machines were exactly $2,400 each. According to statistics listed in articles such as Making Millions, 25 Cents at a Time by the Canadian Broadcast Corporation on November 23, 1982, Vintage Games by Bill Lodgeweiss and Matt Barton in 2009, and Video Game Stars Pac-Man by Mark J.P. Wolf in 2008, Space Invaders grossed $2 billion in quarters by 1982. Pac-Man grossed over $1 billion by 1981 and $2.5 billion by the late 1990s. In 1982, Space Invaders was considered the highest-grossing entertainment product of its time, with comparisons made to the then-highest-grossing film Star Wars, which had grossed $486 million, while Pac-Man is today considered the highest-grossing arcade game of all time. 
Other high-grossing games of this era include Ms. Pac-Man, Asteroids, Donkey Kong, Defender, Galaxian, Donkey Kong Jr., Mr. Do, Tempest, Dragon's Lair, Base Ace, Missile Command, Berserk, and others. The most successful arcade companies at this time were Taito with Space Invaders, Gunfight, and Jungle King, Namco with Pac-Man, Galaxian, Pole Position, and Dig Dug, and Atari with Computer Space, Pong, and Asteroids. Others included Sega, who had entered the home console market, Nintendo with Donkey Kong and the various Mario spin-offs, and also entered the home console market, and Bally Midway, Cinematronics, Konami, Century, Williams, and SNK. Improvements in the arcade game's central processing unit allowed for games to become more complex than earlier games like Pong with discrete circuitry. By the late 1970s, the basic techniques of interactive entertainment were established, and their popularity and use drove down hardware prices to such an extent that it helped the PC to become a technology-economic reality for both home and work. Also during this time, color monitors and graphics became more widespread following the release of Galaxian in 1979. This experimenting with vector displays produced crisper screen lines that couldn't be duplicated by traditional raster displays, but vector displays fell out of favor due to high repair costs. Prior to Pac-Man, Space Invaders became the first game after Pong to truly enter popular culture. There was an urban legend that Space Invaders became so popular in Japan that there was a shortage of 100 yen coins, but logic disputes this claim that the arcade owners would have taken the yen coins to the bank and not hold on to them. The reality was that production of new yen coins was lower during 1978 and 1979 than in other years previous or subsequent. The impact in Japan soon had a similar impact in North America. After Space Invaders was released, many favorable articles and stories about arcade video games aired on television and were printed in newspapers and magazines. The first video game competition was held in 1980 by Atari and was called the Space Invaders Tournament. The event attracted over 10,000 participants and it established video gaming as a mainstream hobby. This mainstream hobby influence also had an effect on the music industry. Revenues for the music industry had declined between 1978 and 1981 and this decrease was directly related to the rise of video game arcade games at the time. To partially combat this, successful songs based upon video games began appearing. Electronic music band Yellow Magic Orchestra, or YMO, sampled sounds from the Space Invader games for their eponymous album and for their hit single called Computer Game. YMO also had a major influence on video game music produced during the same era. Space Invaders also inspired Disco Space Invaders by Funny Stuff, Space Invaders by Playback, aka Player One, Space Invader by The Pretenders, and Space Invaders by Uncle Vic. Playback's song eventually provided the baseline for On and On by Jesse Saunders. Pac-Man's success took everything to the next level. Its release in 1980 caused Pac-Mania, a title that also became the final coin-operated game in the series in 1987. The game was deceptively simple. It featured a yellow circle-shaped creature who ate dots while going through a maze and trying to avoid his ghost monster enemies. At various intervals, other items appeared, such as cherries for Pac-Man to eat. Certain larger dots would make Pac-Man invulnerable for a time, so he could eat the ghost monsters for more points. If all the dots were eaten, Pac-Man would then go to the next level, and play begins again. As the levels wore on, the ghosts traveled faster and were smarter, and the transition ghosts lasted for a shorter time. The popularity of the game spawned numerous clone games, Pac-Man branded foods, toys, and animated television series, 
and a hit-pop song called Pac-Man Fever by Buckner and Garcia, which hit number 9 on the Billboard Pop Charts Hot 100 and sold over a million copies and a gold record. Buckner and Garcia would have a less successful follow-up with Do the Donkey Kong. The Pac-Man game was so popular that President Ronald Reagan congratulated a player for setting a record score at the time. Beginning with Space Invaders, video arcade games began appearing in, at movie theaters as well as in the movies. Early movies about video games included Dawn of the Dead, Midnight Madness, Take This Job and Shove It, Puberty Blues, Tron, Rocky Three, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Keanu Scotzi, The Toy, War Games, Nightmares, Joystick, Psycho 2, Spring Break, Never Say Never Again, The Last Starfighter, Footloose, The Karate Kid, The Terminator, Night of the Comet, The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, Cloak and Dagger, The Goonies, The Boys Next Door, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Something Wild, The Color of Money, Psycho 3, Over the Top, and Can't Buy Me Love. In more recent years, there have been documentaries based on the golden age of video arcade games, including The King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters, and Chasing Ghosts Beyond the Arcade as well as additional feature films capitalizing on the ongoing popularity of video games, including Tron Legacy, Wreck-It Ralph, and its sequel, Ralph Breaks the Internet, Pixels, Ready Player One, Free Guy, and the retro TV series like The Goldbergs and Stranger Things. The popularity of the Golden Age video games continues to this day. A Brief History of Pac-Man the Japanese video game franchise known as Pac-Man was published, developed, and is owned by Bandai Namco Entertainment formerly known as simply Namco, debuting as an arcade machine in Tokyo's bustling Shibuya district on May 22, 1980. The game entered a field dominated at the time by Midway Games, Atari, and Mass Media Incorporated. Pac-Man was Namco's first entry into this burgeoning field and was released in video arcades in 1980 by Namco and published by Midway Games for North America. The game was originally called Puck-Man, due to the popular Japanese phrase for gobbling something up, Paku, Paku, Taburo, Tabero, with Paku, Paku mimicking the sound of a snapping mouth, and Tabero meaning to eat. When Pac-Man came to America, the name of Puck-Man was changed to Pac-Man for fear the vandals would scratch the letters on the machine and change the name and change the P to an F. The original Pac-Man was a maze chase game created by Japanese designer Toru Iwatani. Iwatani said of his invention 40 years later in an article for CNN on May 21, 2020 called Pac-Man at 40, the eating icon that changed game history. When I started drafting up this project in the late 1970s, the arcades were filled with violent games all about killing aliens, said Iwatani, who was working for a Japanese games firm Namco at the time. They were gloomy places where only boys went to hang out. What I wanted to do was to make arcades into livelier places that women and couples might enjoy visiting. So I thought it best to design a game with women in mind. I had started off assuming that themes like fashion and romance might be best suited for a female audience, said Iwatani. But then I thought, and this may have been presumptuous of me, that women also enjoy the act of eating, or tabaru in Japanese, and that's how I found myself centered around this keyword and the act of eating as a concept. The inspiration for the ghost came from a Japanese manga called Little Ghost Q Taro, which Awatani read as a child, and from the American cartoon character of Casper the Friendly Ghost. The relationship between Pac-Man and the ghosts is one that's meant to pit them against each other, but only in a very superficial sort of way that stirs up no real hatred, Iwatani said. It's a relationship influenced by the ideas of the Tom and Jerry cartoons. 
Later on, Pac-Man delved into other video game genres such as platformers, racing, and sports. There have been several games made for the series, and they have been released both to video arcades and to home consoles, and are included in many Namco video game compilations. Pac-Man has become one of the longest-running, best-selling, and highest-grossing video games and video game franchises in history. There have been numerous regular releases over the past 40 years. The games have sold over 48 million copies in all incarnations of the game. This has resulted in gross of over $14.107 in the United States. Most of that total is from the proceeds from the original arcade game. Pac-Man as a character has become the official mascot for Bandai Namco and is one of the most recognizable character designs and names in video game history. The Pac-Man franchise is seen as important and influential, and the characters are representative of 1980s popular culture and of video games in general. Ms. Pac-Man debuted in 1982. It is similar to Pac-Man in its first sequel. It was developed by General Computer Corporation and published by Midway, and the first not made by Namco. General Computer originally called the game Crazy Auto, and it was a modification kit for the original Pac-Man. Because of legal reasons with Atari, General Computer was forced to offer the project to Midway. When Midway purchased it, they told GCC to use the game as a basis for a sequel to Pac-Man. Many names were considered before they settled on Ms. Pac-Man, which was easier to pronounce than Miss Pac-Man or Mrs. Pac-Man. The game was developed without Namco's approval, but Namco's president, Masaya Nakamura, was consulted about the character design. Namco ultimately ended up collecting the same royalties as they had with Pac-Man. Like Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man spawned a great amount of merchandise and was praised for having a female protagonist, as most previous video games had a male one or none. The rights to Ms. Pac-Man are currently owned by Namco's successor company, Bandai Namco Entertainment. The gameplay is very similar to Pac-Man, except this game has four mazes that appear in different color schemes. Ms. Pac-Man has two warp tunnels instead of one. The game walls are of a solid color rather than an outline, making it easier to see the maze paths. The ghost movements pattern is more random than predictable. The fruit bonuses also appear randomly and in various places in the maze. Ms. Pac-Man also introduced the ghost named Sue in place of Clyde. Ms. Pac-Man also spins around and dies rather than fold in on himself as Pac-Man does in his game when eaten by a ghost. In the intermissions, Ms. Pac-Man meets the original Pac-Man, and eventually we see Baby Pac-Man, who later gets a spin-off game, and the sound effects and music are new. Ultimately, Ms. Pac-Man became even more popular than the original. Super Pac-Man was going to be the original game of Ms. Pac-Man once it was decided to make Crazy Auto into a Pac-Man game. Over time and many changes, the game became Ms. Pac-Man. Super Pac-Man, as a game idea, returned in 1982 and was developed and published by Namco and is Namco's official sequel to Pac-Man, rather than Ms. Pac-Man, which they had little to do with. The sound, music, special effects, and gameplay for Super Pac-Man are dramatically different from the original game. Rather than eat dots, Super Pac-Man eats keys in order to unlock doors. These doors lead to different mazes. There are other items to eat, such as more fruit, and other prizes such as spaceships. There are also two sizes of power pellets, the standard ones, and a larger one that makes Pac-Man Super for a short time. While Super, Pac-Man becomes much larger and can move with super speed. He is also invulnerable to ghosts. He still can only eat the ghosts in the same standard way of eating the special power pellets designed for eating ghosts. 
Bonus points can also be scored by eating stars. There are also different bonus levels full of food items, and there are no ghosts. There have been many more variations of Pac-Man created since, but these are the ones that started it all off over 40 years ago and were the basis for the Hanna-Barbera series. A Brief History of the Pac-Man Cartoon Show by Hanna-Barbera The Pac-Man Cartoon Show was a Hanna-Barbera production. It was based on the Namco video games of Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man, and Super Pac-Man. There were 44 episodes made of the show that aired over two seasons from 1982 through 1984 on ABC TV's Saturday morning schedule. It was the first animated cartoon show based upon a video game. For the TV series, it followed the adventures of Pac-Man, his wife named Pepper Pac-Man, a.k.a. Ms. Pac-Man, with Pac-Baby, their male child, plus their dog named Chomp Chomp, and their cat named Sourpuss. All the characters live in Pac-Land, a land where everything seems to revolve around circular, ball-like shapes. Many of the episodes of the show focus on the ongoing battle between the Pac family and their adversaries, the ghost monsters that go by the names of Inky, Pinky, Blinky, Clyde, and Sue. The ghosts work for Mesmeron, and their goal is to find and take control of the land's source of power pellets. These pellets serve as the main food and power source for the city. The second season of the show also featured the superheroic Super Pac and Pac-Man's teenage cousin, who is named PJ. One of the fun things about the show is its use of music and sound effects. Music was the same turkey and straw cues as used in the actual video games, and sound effects were courtesy of the Hanna-Barbera Sound Library, using a lot of existing sounds from the past, including many from the Jetsons TV series, for the car motors and such. Later Namco games and packaging were based upon or influenced by the Pac-Man cartoon show. Example games included Pac-Man, Pac-Man 2, The New Adventures, and the 10-gen release of the original Pac-Man game in a version made for the Nintendo Entertainment System. This release featured box art based upon the Hanna-Barbera series. Due to the success of the show on ABC, CBS was inspired to create Saturday Supercade, produced by Ruby Spears, which featured other video game characters such as Frogger, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., Qbert, and Pitfall Harry. Amazingly, even though the series was a success, neither season was solely a Pac-Man show. The first season was called the Pac-Man Little Rascals Richie Rich Show. It was a 90-minute show that aired on Saturdays from September 25, 1982 through September 3, 1983. The Little Rascals segment was new and based upon the old Hal Roach live-action short series from 1922 to 1944, originally called Our Gang. Richie Rich as a segment had already aired as part of the Richie Rich Scooby-Doo show from 1980 to 1982, but these segments were also brand new. Season 1 was released on DVD by Warner Archives on January 31, 2012. For Pac-Man's second season, the show was shortened to 60 minutes and renamed the Pac-Man Rubik the Amazing Cube Hour, which aired on Saturdays from September 10, 1983 through September 1, 1984. The Rubik segment was produced by Ruby Spears. This second season introduces two new characters, Super Pac, who is a well-meaning but somewhat dim-witted superhero who comes to Pac-Land via his time hole in the sky, and PJ, who is a character modeled after TV's Fonz from Happy Days, a series that was still amazingly popular at this time. Season 2 was released on DVD by Warner Archives on September 11, 2012. There are also two primetime TV specials produced. 
The first special was a half-hour show called the Pac-Man Halloween Special and consisted of two repeat segments from the series, one called Pacula and one called Trick or Chomp, which originally aired on October 16, 1982. The special originally aired on ABC on October 30, 1982 and replayed over the years on channels such as Cartoon Network or Boomerang during Halloween time in subsequent years. The second primetime special was an all-new half-hour special called Christmas Comes to Packland. It originally aired on ABC on December 16, 1982. It tells the story of how Pac-Man and his family help Santa Claus after he crash lands in Packland. The special was released on VHS and is now available for streaming through Amazon Prime and is part of the Season 2 DVD. It still airs every December on Boomerang. Since its original run, the series has run in syndication, as well as on USA Cartoon Express in the 1980s, Cartoon Network from 1995 to 1999, and Boomerang from 2014. Pac-Man and His Ghostly Adventures was a sequel animated TV series. 52 episodes were produced over three seasons from June 15, 2013 to May 29, 2015. It originally aired on Disney XD and later was released to home video. The series is also known as Pack World, and it was produced at 41 Entertainment, Arad Productions, and Bandai Namco Entertainment. This series took place on and around the planet called Pack World and also Netherworld. The same characters from earlier versions of Pac-Man appear, including Blinky, Pinky, Inky, Clyde, and Count Pacula, plus a number of new ones, including Cylindria, Spiraltron, Betrayus, President Stratospheros, Sir Comfrance, Skibo, Surya Suprema, Miss Globular, Mr. Strickler, Mr. Dome O'Drool, oh, Mr. Dome O'Drool, Kingpin Obtuse, Rotunda, Zack, Sunny, The Passinator, Da Oog, Danny Vaincori, Eliptica, Moondog, Starchild, Granny, Santa Pack, Butler, Dr. A.H. Buttocks, Glooky, Mavis, Spectre Fred, Master Goo, Captain Banshee, Cyclops Ghostroid, and various ghosts. Apex, Professor Pointy Brains, Tip, Grinder, Grindette, Grindertron, Mega Grinder, Computer Bug, Pactopus, Cybermouse, Cyber Fluffy, Madame Gulasha, Gene Mooby, The Easter Pack, Beep, Mummy Wizard, Round Deer, Dr. Packetstein, Fluffy, Fuzzbits, Hugefoot, and various other monsters. The series had a 3D animated look, rather than the flat cell animation used for Hanna-Barbera's animated Pac-Man series. Pepper, Pac-Baby, Chomp-Chomp, Sourpuss, Dinky, Sue, and Mesmeron do not appear from the earlier series. Who's who on the Pac-Man cartoon show? Voice cast. Marty Ingalls was Pac-Man. Ingalls was an actor, comedian, comedy sketchwriter, theatrical agent, and voice artist. He was best known as a co-star of the TV series I'm Dickens, He's Fenster. He also appeared on TV's The Phil Silver Show, The Ann Southern Show, Pete and Gladys, Manhunt, Hennessy, The Dick Van Dyke Show, The Joey Bishop Show, Burke's Law, The Addams Family, Bewitched, The Phyllis Diller Show, Good Morning World, The Partners, Banachek, The Rookies, Adam 12, The Ghostbusters, Police Story, Chips, The Love Boat Family, The Monsters Today, The New Adam 12, Murder, She Wrote, Baywatch, Walker, Texas, Ranger, ERCSI, and the movies The Ladies' Man, The Busybody, A Guide for the Married Man, if it's Tuesday, it must be Belgium, and Linda Lovelace for president. For Hanna-Barbera, Ingalls also did the voice of Autocat for Motormouse and Autocat as part of the Catanooga Cats, and Beagley Beagle 
for the Great Grape Ape Show, also known as the Tom and Jerry Grape Ape Show, plus the devil for Disney's Darkwing Duck. He was married to actress Shirley Jones from 1977 to 2015. Shirley explains how he got the role of Pac-Man in Shirley and Marty, an unlikely love story. Marty even stumbled into his second career in 1980. He came back to the public ear, if not the public eye, as the voice of Pac-Man, a cartoon favorite of millions of American grade schoolers. Of course, he thought he was through with that end of show business. His return was the kind of fateful accident that seemed to characterize so much of his world. He was sitting at his desk one morning, hustling one of his clients, Robert Culp, who had starred with Bill Cosby in the I Spy series. He heard Universal was casting a film, and he dialed what he thought was the studio's number. He was a digit or two off, and instead he reached Hanna-Barbera, the producers of animated cartoons and other Disney-like features. Instead of hanging up, Marty figured why waste a phone call. He asked who their casting director was, and the operator put him through to a man named Gordon Hunt. No sooner had he introduced himself than a baffled Ingalls heard Hunt tell him excitedly, You know, after two years of trying, we finally landed the rights to Pac-Man. Here's Marty with the rest of the story. And I said, Wow! I had not the foggiest idea what Pac-Man was. For all I knew, it was a luggage company. So I said, Well, that's wonderful. And he goes on, We have all the other characters, Pac-Baby and Ms. Pac-Man and the Ghost Monsters, and the only person we don't have is Pac-Man himself. It's very difficult. We've listened to 173 voices, and it has to run through all these approvals. He mentioned this whole bureaucratic system, ABC and the top brass at Hanna-Barbera, and Bally Midway, the company that owned the patent, and a little oriental man in Hong Kong who invented the machine. So I said to him, Robert Culp would be sensational for you. And Hunt said to me, Would you say that again? I said, Say what again? What you just said, the thing about Culp. I repeated myself, Robert Culp would be perfect for the part. I felt as confident as one can feel without knowing anything at all about the part itself. Hunt asked me what I was doing at the moment. I told him I was sitting in my office. He got as far as, could you come down to? And I cut him short. I said, I don't come anywhere. I don't go anywhere. He said, well, I would like to put your voice down on tape because I think you have a great voice. I said, you don't understand. I don't compete anymore. I don't get disappointed anymore. I don't get hurt anymore. I don't have to shave anymore. I hang around in my pajamas all day. I don't have to be Tom Selleck or Robin Williams or anybody. It turned out that he was taping my voice while we were talking. Two days later, my secretary said, I'm Mr. Gordon Hunt, the guy who may have a job for Robert Culp. I picked up the phone and said, You find anything for Culp? He said, No, but I have a job for you, starting tomorrow at 10 o'clock in the morning. During the next two years it lasted... Pac-Man turned out to be a dream job. I could drive to the studio in my pajamas and do three weeks' worth of voiceovers in one afternoon. I made more money as a cartoon than I did in my entire career as a comedian. Shirley Jones added in her book, Shirley Jones, a memoir, Marty does indeed have a remarkable voice, strong, rich, gravelly, and with a marked Brooklyn accent. Pac-Man Postscripts, Pac-Man's 30th Anniversary one of the highlights of Pac-Man's 30th anniversary in 2010 was a Google Doodle that was created by Google Doodler Ryan Jermick. Jermick said of the Doodle, I made sure to include Pac-Man's original game logic, graphics, and sounds, bring back Ghost's individual personalities, and even recreate original bug from this 1980s masterpiece. We also added a little Easter egg. If you throw in another coin, Ms. Pac-Man joins the party and you can play together with someone else. 
Pac-Man is controlled with arrow keys, or by clicking on the maze, Ms. Pac-Man, using the WASD keys. The Comic-Con Museum Character Hall of Fame The Pac-Man character was inducted into the Comic-Con Museum Character Hall of Fame on December 17, 2020. There was a bit of controversy over this decision, as some argued that a video game character isn't a comic book character. But the Comic-Con Museum maintains that they want to honor characters that have dominated and permeated nearly every aspect of popular culture, not just comic books. On the day of the celebration, they told the story of Pac-Man and explored his past, present, and future. Pac-Man creator Toru Iwatani celebrated Pac-Man's accomplishments to date, and he gave the inside scoop as to what Pac-Man would be doing next. There was also a performance by Ken Ishii, a Japanese DJ, techno artist, composer, producer, and originator of his new theme song called Join the Pack. Due to the pandemic of 2020, the entire celebration was shown on the Comic-Con Museum YouTube channel. Pizza Hut Salute for Pac-Man's 40th Anniversary Pizza Hut Restaurant celebrated Pac-Man's 40th anniversary in the USA in 2020 and 2021 with a series of commercials starring comic actor Chris Robinson, who was shown eating a slice while playing the classic arcade game in a table version. To make the point more clear, the decor of his Pizza Hut harks back to the what a Pizza Hut looked like during the late 1970s and early 1980s. The ad promotes the $10 Tastemaker pizza, but more than just pizza, the outer cardboard box container has Pac-Man graphics on the lid. The box lid isn't just a design, it's also a game that can be played. According to Yutaka Fuse, head of licensing and branding at Bandai Namco Entertainment Incorporated, Pac-Man's design and creation was inspired by the shape of a pizza with a slice taken out of it. While drawing up ideas for a game based around food, Iwatani grabbed a slice of pizza from the box and had an epiphany. The remaining pizza slices formed Pac-Man's shape, and the rest was history. Or so the story goes, according to Iwatani. Robinson said that he had Pizza Hut memories. Growing up in the 80s, mine was going into Pizza Hut and devouring those little Pac-Man dots, just like I did my pizza. Those arcade games in the restaurant. There was nothing better as a kid. And I want to thank you. This is Fun Ideas Productions and Fun Ideas Podcast. And this is Mark Arnold. <laughs> and I just wanted to read you some excerpts from my latest book, Pac-Man, the first animated TV show based upon a video game. It's available now through Bear Manor Media or on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, or any place that sells books online. And you can even order it to be delivered to your store or to your home. If you have any other further questions, send us a letter, uh, mail us an email, you know what to do. All right, thank you very much, and we'll see you next time on the Fun Ideas Podcast. Thank you for listening, and I hope reading excerpts from my book called Pac-Man, the first animated TV show based upon a video game, will get you to buy a copy from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Bear Manor Media. Episode number 198 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas Podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2022. Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night.